Fast Words Point Guard and Trailblazers reporter Mike Richmond. You are listening to another episode of Locked On Blazers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, available wherever you get podcasts and also on YouTube. Thanks for making this show your first listen, coming at you every single weekday, Monday through Friday. So make it a part of your daily routine. Make it your first listen. Tell your friends to do the same. It's Locked On Blazers, your team every day. Today's show, we got a fun one with a bunch to get through. I want to talk about stray thoughts from Summer League. Uh, Yesterday's episode was 30 full minutes on the Blazers Summer League, and yet... I still need to empty the notebook. I got a couple stray thoughts from Trailblazer Summer League. I want to talk about the new rule changes coming to the NBA next season, including the in-season tournament, which I think is going to rock. I am excited for it. And finally, we'll close the show with a little mailbag question from a listener who asked about the pre-draft scouting of Damian Lillard and Scoot Henderson. That's what we'll do to close the show. But first, let's just get into it with stray thoughts from Summer League. Um... Blazers 2-1 at Summer League. They improved to 2-1 with a win over the Charlotte Hornets on Tuesday evening. Uh, Shane Sharp led the way with the big fourth quarter. They got a nice game from Chris Murray, and they're still in the hunt to win the championship. And we know that's all that really matters at Summer League. It's trophies. And I guess rings? They got rings last year? Rings and trophies. But I want to share some thoughts from Summer League, starting with Scoot Henderson. He didn't play. But he caught my eye because my man refused to sit down. Uh, the Blazers had uh, had him a seat on the end of the bench, like literally the very last seat on the bench. And Scoot Henderson chose not to sit on that thing the entire game. He stood up the entire game. He was super engaged. He was super yelling. And you say, Mike, I don't care. <laughs> okay. Um, this is why maybe, this is why maybe it's a stray thought. But I think it's not like really important. I don't mean to like speak, um, I don't mean to add more to it than this. This is more of an observation. Scoot Henderson loves this stuff and wants to play, and I don't think he's going to play again in Summer League because the Blazers are going to hold him out for caution, cautionary reasons, which is like totally reasonable um, considering they want him to be part of the plan for a long time. And there's, you know, they he looked really good in his 21 minutes and blah, 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 whatever he'll play. He'll play games when they're meaningful again or preseason games and get him into camp. Like you just want to get him there. If you think you're, he's going to be really good, you don't necessarily need to see any more of him in summer league to like make sure that he's really good. Plenty of, plenty of seasoning coming for Scoot Henderson. Plenty of opportunity ahead for him. But what I like about this is just like, when you have a young player, particularly a young star, and Scoot is going to be a star in the league. I don't know how quickly he's going to be in the star in the league, but I'm, I'm, I am very confident that Scoot Henderson will make multiple all-star teams in his career, provided uh, good health. And let me just knock on wood for you real quick. Um, like it is, he, I think he's that type of, um, I think he's that type of prospect. And I also believe that you know, I did a, I did a show on this earlier this this month was like players in the last four or five drafts who've been lead guards drafted in the top five have made all star games on their rookie on their rookie contract. Basically, every every player who's made it to year three since the 2018 draft has made at least one all star game. Every point guard drafted in the top five since the 2018 draft who has played the, at least three seasons in the league has made at least one all star game. It's the Darius Garland rule. Players drafted in this position excel. I think Scoot is going to excel. But guys with that type of, you know, expectations heaped on them by some dummy in his basement, much less the whole franchise like the Portland Trailblazers, they are not always the type of teammates that will stand up and be super engaged. 
particularly when they're not playing and they're not playing and they probably feel like they're able to play, it can be hard to be like, okay, I'm going to really be involved. Not that like you expect them to sit on the bench and sulk, but like standing and yelling the whole time is a different thing. Uh, for instance, like I think Shaden Sharp has a little bit of that Nikola Jokic, like does this dude like basketball type of vibe where it's like if he is awesome, and doing the thing where it's not clear if he likes basketball, then it is like, oh, how interesting is this character? And then if like they struggle and they have that sort of same sort of kind of not running super hot type of demeanor, it's like, oh no, does he love basketball? Um, Sharp is like an enigma, right? Or maybe just like a shy person. I think you could just chalk it up to that to some extent. Uh, but he is he is not the stand up and scream at all time for the whole 40 minutes of a summer league game. Scoot is like that. And to me... Um, to me, it is an exciting thing to see someone who is, he said, I'm coming, I'm coming to save the day when he was drafted on a draft night, when he was selected on draft night. I'm coming to save the day. He knows what the deal is. He knows that a franchise icon is likely to leave the team, if not this offseason, sometime in the coming months. And he is going to be past the mantle of like, okay, you got to carry on in the post Damian Lillard era. And to see him in a game when he's not playing, be that engaged with his teammates in a meaningless summer league game, it's great. You love to see it. Love to see it. It's fun. It's fun. It's, it, it makes it easier to root for folks like Scoot when they are like that. Scoot has a um, really, he has real charisma about him. I think he's going to be easy to root for. And I think he's going to be really good. And um, a charismatic point guard who's really good as a rookie. When? When have we seen this before in a Trailblazers uniform? Also, they wear some version of zero on their chest. Who could it be? Um, maybe a little too much pressure to compare him directly to Damian Lowe, but I think Scoot Anderson's going to be really good. Another basketball thing from Summer League. This did not make make the, uh, hasn't made the show, but is in my notes. Blazers run a lot of little zone press, little zone press, where they show um, like a 1 2 2 zone press and they fall back into their zone, either a 2 3 or something that looks like a, a similar 1 2 2, uh, kind of depending on where the ball is. I think there's some different rules about, about what the shape of the zone takes depending on responsibilities, but it's like a 1 2 2 full court zone press that drops into a zone. They played a ton of zone last year. Year. They they showed a little bit of zone press last year, but if you're doing it in summer league, it means you are trying to implement it during the regular season. You wouldn't show a zone press in July and work on it with your young guys if you were going to totally abandon it. Um, I mean, there was a year when the Blazers tried to change their defense in the preseason and then literally abandoned it by game one of the regular season, but uh, they got a new coach now. I don't think they're going to do that again, but I think um, I have long been a proponent that teams could situationally press more in the league than they do. Um, and if the Blazers are athletic and I think they're going to play lineups that are more athletic than they have in the past, I like the idea of the zone press. It can get picked apart pretty quickly. If, you know, if you do beat a zone in the NBA, it's just a lot of dudes who can make you pay quickly by taking a wide open three pointer. So it has real risks. But I like the idea of it as a change of pace. And if we're seeing it in the right and seeing it in uh, the summer, if soon summer league, we're definitely going to see it in the regular season. So keep an eye on that for the future. Is more of that one two two full court trapping. Sometimes they fully trap in the zone. Sometimes they kind of just show it and then drop back. But it's it's a it's a zone one two two press full court or you know more than three quarters court pick up inside the foul line so whatever you want to call that okay another two more two more real quick ones and then this is my last of my stray thoughts from summer league until the Blazers play tomorrow then I'll have some more thoughts Ryan Rupert Ryan Rupert they're calling him Roops Roops everyone referred to him as Roops they were yelling that I heard that through the broadcast I haven't been in the gym I haven't been to Vegas I've been here in Portland um, but they're calling him Roops that's a good nickname and it made me think of 
what you know you know what it, you got like some of the fun part of getting to know new players on a team and the Blazers are going to have a whole bunch of new players on the team is getting to know nicknames what their teammates call them it's kind of the the like even if a team struggles the sort of the joy of being a fan of a team is like getting to know the players right like um and they call him Roops. I think that's a, it's like his last name is Roop Pear. It's not exactly a super creative name, but you know, like getting to know, getting to know guys is like sort of the fun part of being a fan, right? Rooting for laundry. It's the fun part of it. And I was thinking about like, what is Chris Murray's nickname? And then I saw a video on social media where Chris Murray said he didn't have a nickname. And it reminded me of an old joke from, uh, from the Oracle, John of Blazers Twitter, the boy JR, who said that Ed Davis's nickname was Ed Davis. Uh, so he was Ed, Ed Davis Davis was his nickname. And I really do think Chris has a real, Chris Murray has a real Chris, Chris Murray Murray has his nickname vibes. He has, his nickname might be Chris Murray. He might be someone you call by his full name. He has a, his like demeanor and style of game, uh, sort of workmanlike, understated. Like he seems like engaging, but not like this like, uh, super bubbly, effervescent type of guy. Um, he has a real, my nickname is Chris Murray type of vibe to him. Just, uh, that one is, that's why it's, that's why it's the last note in the notebook because that one is stupid. Okay. I want to talk about new stuff coming to the NBA this season, uh, this coming season, including the in-season tournament, which I think is going to be a whole bunch of fun. That's what we will do in the second segment. Before we get there, I want to tell you though, that this episode is brought to you by better help. There are a lot of ways to get therapy. BetterHelp is one of the most convenient and one of the most affordable. Uh, you can, if you are experiencing an acute trauma, therapy can be really valuable to helping you navigate a singular acute experience that is, that, that is, you know, hard, hard to get past. But Therapy can also just help you get better in your day-to-day. -day. Think of it like routine maintenance for your vehicle, how you keep your car running better, is routine maintenance to keep it on the road. How do you keep yourself running better is routine maintenance to keep you on the path to be your best self. So if you were thinking about therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. Switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Let therapy be your map with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash locked on NBA today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp. H-E-L-P dot com slash locked on NBA. All right. Whole bunch of new stuff coming to the NBA this season. Let's get with the short little stuff and then we'll talk about the big thing that's a coming to the league this year. Little things as first reported by Shams Charania of, uh, of The Athletic, but I'm sure uh, something that will be made public soon enough. Um, Two new rule changes. One, an in-game penalty for flops. That will be a technical free throw. I hate this rule. Um, flopping is bad. It, it's like a, there are some players that are particularly egregious at it, but the way to make the NBA game better is not more stoppages and more free throws. I don't have a solution to this, but I feel very strongly that a rule that stops the game, blow a whistle, stop the game, take a free throw, is worse for the sport. It's worse. I do not like this one. I think I said I hate it. I hate it. I think that's true. The other one, totally a good rule. The second a second coaching challenge, if the first one is correct, this has a similar problem. That you challenge one early in the game that you know is going to be, you're going to win. Timeout, stoppage, go to the monitor, you win it. Okay, get the ball back. You know, keep your challenge. And then you have a second challenge later in the game to, um, to use. 
Here's the thing, though. You have to have a timeout to use the challenges. Coaches still are going to use their timeouts pretty much the same way they do. Like Michael Malone will challenge, will have two challenges, right? Like he's he's someone who's pretty pretty itchy with quick challenges. Um, I think Darvin Ham often because uh, he gets bullied by LeBron James doing the finger wave thing uh, has challenged. Those two, I think, are the two coaches in the league who are in my opinion, the most egregious at like early game challenges. Malone might be the most egregious at it in the NBA. It's like early game, wild, out of bounds calls in the second quarter. Challenge that thing. But if you get it right, now you get a second one. Um, This could lead to more stoppages, but because you need a timeout to take the second challenge, I don't think it'll lead to a ton more. I think like you'll get one extra timeout a week, maybe two extra timeouts a week across for each team in the league. That's not terrible. And like getting the calls right will be is meaningful to fans in general though. And like, I'm going to share this in July. I'm going to share this in July. So no one gets mad at me. Like when the games are actually happening, I think missed calls during the NBA regular season are totally fine and part of the game. And please stop whining about the refs. Okay. Let's talk about the in-season tournament. This is going to be fun. It's going to be fun. Um, I, I say this as someone who was skeptical of the play-in. When they first announced a play-in, I said, oh, why do we need all this? Why? The play-in's been good for the league. It has made more teams competitive longer into the season. It has created singular fun moments like uh, DR DeRozan, DeMar DeRozan's daughter, who was screaming in Toronto to make the Raptors miss all those free throws um, and eventually get Pascal Siakam traded to the Pacers or whatever. Uh, like... That moment doesn't happen without the play-in. Uh, the Miami Heat, like, maybe don't make the playoffs without the, like, and the NBA Finals without the play-in. Um, it has been, we've seen teams go from play-in to the second round of the of the uh, playoffs now. More teams that can be better for longer, more competitive games, more meaning, more meaningful games down the stretch, except for the Trailblazers, which refuse to play meaningful games after the All-Star break. But... That's actually not, I was going to say maybe it'll change this year. I don't know. I don't think it will. I don't think it will, y'all. I think we're, uh, I think we're in for another long March and April strap in, uh, you know, your, your team every day right here. I, I'll be here. Hang, hang with me. It's going to, there's going to be a lot of fun parts of the season, I promise. But I was skeptical of the play in. I'm not skeptical of the in-season tournament because I think adding more meaning to regular season games is what the NBA needs the NBA season is too long. It's too boring. I'm a diehard. If you're listening to this in July, you're probably a diehard too, but casual fans and your casual friends do ha- do not need to watch the regular season. There is no reason for them to do it. It has no, it has very little value to someone who kind of likes the NBA. The playoffs are 10 weeks long. You can just watch the playoffs and feel like you know everything about the league. Um, it happens every year. You've, I'm sure you've met those people. They're, uh, they're uh they're out there i'll 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 say it like that so the end season tournament here's how it's going to work there are there are six groups of five teams the blazers are in a group with the grizzlies suns lakers and jazz and they will start with a group stage and these games will happen on tuesdays and fridays in november so you play four group games so the blazers will play the grizzlies they'll play the suns play the lakers play the jazz these just count as regular season games but they also count as in season is as the tournament group games, the teams that win their group. So the best record in, in the group, plus the two, the two top records of second place finishers in the conference. So six, six group winners, that's six. Then, uh, you know, the, the best, the best remaining team in the East, best remaining team in the West, they go into the quarterfinals, 18 quarterfinals. And those games will be played in early December. Okay. Play the, play, 
play the quarterfinals. Winners go to the semis. Semis are in Vegas at a neutral site. Finals are in Vegas at a neutral site. The quarterfinals, the semifinals, all part of the regular season, 82 games. The only teams that will play an extra 83rd game are the team that make the finals. If you win the title, if you win the in-season tournament, each player gets $500,000. There's an incentive for players to play. Even super millionaires want $500,000. It's a good, it's a nice little incentive. Um, these folks need a cherry for the regular season to matter. I I like this. Here's two, two interesting wrinkles. One, that means when the season comes out, when the regular season uh, schedule is released, every team in the league will have 80 games on the schedule and two TBD games. Plus, some teams will only get 40 home games. Some teams will get 41. And there's a chance that a couple teams play as many as 42 home games based on what happens in uh, in the quarterfinals, in the quarterfinal and uh, situation. Very, very interesting, in my opinion. Um, it is home games matter to NBA teams. The finance stuff mad that matters to NBA teams. Getting getting a, a home game knocked off. Um, it's not not everyone's going to love it, but it is going to be like a big TV thing. The, the, the it'll it'll happen like it'll take place all of this like in in the like by the second week of december it'll be wrapped up so like the nba most you know plenty of fans like don't check in till christmas this is a an incentive to watch in november and december when the games are truly meaningless to most fans they matter to the diehards they matter to you and me but truly meaningless to no fans um another thing lol new jerseys of course the league is of course the league is getting new jerseys for this come on um i, I Cool. Like the, the jerseys aren't for me. They're for like you if you're a little younger than me, or or um, your children if uh, if they're also a little younger than me or whatever. Uh, but, but I think it's like the NBA will never stop making teams have too many jerseys each year. Each team, seventeen different jerseys that have nothing to do with their primary colors. Um, it's that's like old. That's a real old man yells at clouds thing for someone in his middle thirties to yell about. But it is that the league has too many jerseys. Um, this is good. This is like I like the in season tournament because okay, uh, maybe. Maybe your friend who likes basketball but doesn't watch it very much has heard about this in-season tournament. And when did the tournament games start? Uh, Tuesdays and Fridays in November. So you're telling me this Blazers-Jazz game has implications that could like get us a little mini trophy and could be like help us like win a game that's meaningful and it, otherwise it would just be a Tuesday night Blazers-Jazz game? Yeah. Okay, I'm more interested in watching. You mean Grizzly Suns randomly on a Friday night, which is already going to be a good game now, has an added extra layer to it? Great, great. Give it to me. Like that, that's, um, I think it's really good for the league. I think it's going to, it is just so much better than what we currently have, which is a bunch of meaningless games in November and December. It's going to be fun. It's going to be fun. Uh, I'm, I am, I'm legitimately, unironically in favor of this idea. I'm usually a crotchety old whiner. Uh, I don't know if I'm old. I'm definitely a crotchety whiner. Um, so like, I think this is going to be, I I think it hurts nothing because you don't actually play extra regular season games. Um, the gimmick is just like this game means something else. And then you play some neutral sites, potentially neutral site games, potentially in Vegas. Um, as Tom Ziller of uh, pointed out of, of good morning, it's basketball is, is sub stack. Um, the neutral site games are a little weird because you're going to find out like on December 15th that on December 17th, the Blazers are going to the semifinals in Vegas. So your rich friends will go like, um, if you have anyone that goes by courtside with their first name, courtside will be there. Um, 
But not all of us are going to fly to Vegas on 48 hours notice to go see a regular season, uh, the in-season tournament. But those of you who do will enjoy it. Um, I think that'll be a little bit weird. I think neutral site games are in general a little bit weird. Um, but single elimination tournaments, quarterfinals and semifinal style basketball in the middle of December rocks. Keep it up. Let's see more of it. Uh, if you don't make the quarterfinals, your TBD two extra games, you'll just play against other teams that are not in the quarterfinals. So you won't know who you're going to play, but then it'll be determined after, after, uh, the quarterfinals are set in the in-season tournament. Okay. Close the show. We got a listener question from listener CJ who asked about the the pre-draft scouting of Scoot versus Dame. Let's talk about that to close the show. First, how about I tell you about the shorts I'm wearing? They're bird dogs. They're comfortable. Um, I'm rocking the khaki look right now. I'm not going to stand up if you're watching on YouTube because I got to I got to continue talking in the microphone. So I got to stay got to stay seated for now. But I like them because they're versatile. Like they look like khaki shorts, but they're still super comfortable. They're they're not the you know sort of stiff cotton. They're not super boxy. They look good. They feel good. They got cloud knit fabric that makes that it makes you feel like you are wearing athletic shorts without wearing athletic shorts. Plus they got anti stink sweat wicking fabric that keeps you cool and dry all day long. So go get yourself a pair of these shorts. Go to birddogs.com slash locked on NBA and get a free Yeti style tumbler with your order. That's birddogs.com slash locked on NBA to get a free Yeti style tumbler with your purchase. You won't want to take these off. I promise you. Still a pass first point guard. Still Mike Richmond. You are still listening to Locked on Blazers. Let's 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 dive into the mailbag world. This question was sent in by CJ. Now this is not a mailbag episode, but if you have a question, particularly a thoughtful question, um, send me uh, send me an email, lockedonblazerspod at gmail.com. That is the best place to get a hold of me these days. Lockedonblazerspod at gmail.com. And we'll do mailbag next week, kind of once summer league wraps up and we're kind of um, in a in a stage of of uh, the quiet time in the league and we can have a little bit of fun. But for now, this was a really good question that listener CJ sent in. And it's a little long-winded, so I'm, I'm editing it for clarity here. And basically it was like, in a in a scenario in which Scoot Henderson and Damian Lillard were in the same draft, who would go first? And CJ noted, like, it's probably going to be Scoot just based on the hype around him. But, like, it would be interesting to look back on what the scouting around Dame was back in 2012 versus what it is now for Scoot heading into his rookie season. Great question. Great idea. Great hypothetical. We'd love to see it. CJ, thanks for the question. So, um... Luckily, the Blazers assistant GM, Mike Schmitz, was a professional draft scout for like a decade prior to taking the Blazers job. So all of, not all, but because Draft Express is behind um, a paywall or hidden now, all the old videos that are, are no longer available for Mike Mike Schmitz, like 2013 or 2012 Draft Express video on Dame isn't available. But before he worked at Draft Express... Schmitz worked for Valley of the Sun, a fan-sided blog covering the Suns. He's, he's an Arizona guy. Um, and he wrote a like a really just nice pre-draft story interviewing Dame's um, 
college coach Randy Ray about uh, about Dame as a as a prospect, and included this incredible incredible uh, uh, little little paragraph. That I will quote here. Lillard thrives in transition, 27.3% of his offense. He's great out of pick and roll, 1.0 points, 1.04 points per possession. He can shoot from distance, 40.9% from three, and he's a freak athlete, six foot eight wingspan with a 39.5 inch vertical. Who does that sound like? Except for the shooting. Except for the shooting. Thrives in transition, great in pick and roll, freak athlete. David Thorpe of ESPN. After Lillard's uh, week in Vegas, like or in the middle of his, his week in Vegas, compared Damian Lillard to Derrick Rose. Said he reminds him of Derrick Rose. Scoot Henderson gets the young Derrick Rose comps even now. There aren't a ton um, just because of like Dame was the 2012 draft and the internet is... Um, <laughs> Uh, well, it lives forever, also hard to find, but so there weren't, I couldn't find like draft express has changed its archive. So I couldn't, I couldn't get those, all of Schmitz's talk, all of Schmitz's ideas, but I did go back to NBA DraftNet, which has a great database for old profiles. And, uh, there's, there's a pretty funny Damian Lillard, uh, <laughs> thoughts in this one, including has improved his decision-making over the last few years, but can get carried away and take questionable shots when he gets hot. Yeah, he can do that. Even now, as a as a future Hall of Famer, Damian Lord can take some questionable shots when he gets hot. He actually made the questionable shots his like his calling card, right? Like he hit a thirty set, he hit a literally a bad shot, a thirty seven footer to end a playoff series. He made questionable shots, the top of his dang resume. Yeah, that's a pretty fun one. Um, I, I think. The curious thing about um, NBA DraftNet is that they they think that um, that Dame is a good scoring guard with maybe some limited playmaking skills and quote uh, a team could be willing to roll the dice on him perhaps as soon as the mid to late lottery. That was back in March of 2012. He was seventh on their big board, projected to go number six overall to the Portland Trailblazers, the number one po- overall point guard, and given a 96 grade as a prospect by NBA draft net. So I mentioned that Mike Schmitz has been doing this publicly. And back in the June of 2012, he wrote that nice piece on Dame for Valley of the Sun. Well, working for ESPN in a more public format. And when draft express was absorbed by Yahoo and then transferred over to ESPN in um, some media stuff that you don't care about. But in May of 2022, Mike Schmitz sat down with then G league ignite 17 year old. I guess he turned 18 at the time. Scoot Henderson. And uh, it's on YouTube. I will link it in the video uh, video description or episode description rather of this episode. It's it's a video like it's about 22 minutes and it's just Schmitz, literally the Blazers current assistant GM watching film with the Blazers number 3 overall pick and future point guard Scoot Henderson um worth perusing. Um I think it gives you a sense of um kind of how Schmitz approaches scouting and what um Scoot knows he's good at, knows he needs to work on, and all of those things. Um, They talk about defense a little bit. They talk about decision-making. They talk about playing with pace. And then they watch clips of a young Derrick Rose and talk about rejecting the screen the way Scoot Henderson, that's like when someone sets a screen, you pretend like you're going to go past it. Instead, you reject it. You go away from the screen. So kind of like bait your man into leaning into the screen, go the other way. Derrick Rose, one of the great screen rejectors. And they watch, um, they watch some clips of Derrick Rose rejecting screens. say, Hey, you've got a little bit of that in your game. 
a freak athlete, dominates in pick and roll, reminds scouts of a young Tarek Rose. They sound similar. The difference seems to be, to me, is that Dame was a shooter and known as a shooter and the the worry was more about the level of competition. Could he could it translate from the big sky where he was really good at Weber State to the NBA? And with Scoot, it's shooting. And because he played professionally in the G League, one of the best leagues in the world outside the league, probably as as my man Kevin Dana said, probably one of the five best leagues, five best non-NBA leagues in the world. Like it's a legitimately very competitive league. Played in that for two years. There's not a lot of question about like What's he going to do at the next level? It's like, yeah, he's capable of he's capable of translating. The question for him is shooting. Like, can he shoot? Can he shoot enough to be to get there at the next level? There's some questions a little bit about um, maybe taking some bad shots early in the offense, dribbling the ball a little bit too much, and um, and uh, and just sort of whether he can be a, a an impactful defender all of the time, or if he's going to be like a sometimes sometimes is is locked in on defense, sometimes and it isn't. But um, in general, the like the idea of what Scoot is and what Dame is, despite them not being like super similar players when you think about them, very similar scouting language around them. Very similar scouting language around them. Scoot was the number two on NBA DraftNet's big board. He was the number one point guard in the class, and he was an overall 97 prospect grade, so one point higher than Dame. It's interesting. I think in general, Damian Lord was considered the best player in his draft class with no chance to go top five and or get best point guard in his draft class with no chance to go in top five. You know, he's like, oh, he's going to, he won't be around at 10, but he'll, you know, he's not going to, no one's going to take him before the Kings at five. Excuse me. I, I said um, not top five, no chance to go up f- above five. He wasn't going to go in those top four picks. It was like, maybe the Kings take him at five, but if not, six is where everyone mocked him to. At the time, it's where like, Shoot, I remember reading Joe Freeman's mock draft in the Oregonian back in 2012 uh, when I was a high school sports reporter. And Joe had the Blazers taking a young point guard from Weber State, Damian Lord. Like, he was pretty much clearly pegged to go right where he went. He was considered the best player in his draft class. Scoot was better than that, right? Scoot was like, he's going to go number two or should go number two or he might not go number two, but he's, he's, he's good enough to go number two. And a lot of drafts, he would go number one overall. Like, I think generally speaking... Um, he was considered a better prospect than Dame, but also like Anthony Davis was in Dame's draft class. So it's just, it's like it, he wasn't going to, in the way Victor Wembanyama wasn't going to let Scoot go one. Um, AD was not going to let Dame go one. It just, it, it wasn't going to work that way. Um, a couple other teams, maybe, maybe hard to say, maybe made some mistakes in that 2012 draft in the top five. Hard, hard, hard to say. Um, shout out to Thomas Robinson, but I think in general, this is an interesting question from CJ. The answer to your question is, is the sort of guess that you had that Scoot would probably be above Dame in this sort of fantasy land where they're both in the same draft class. But I will say this. I didn't think that the language around them would be so similar. I didn't think Dame was this like score first freak athlete is coming out of college. And that's what several services, including Mike Schmitz, uh, called him. Pretty interesting. Uh, thanks for the question, CJ. If you have one, locked on blazerspot at gmail.com. Blazers play a basketball game tomorrow. That is Thursday evening. So that means Friday show will be all about their, their fourth and final G League game and finding out if the Blazers are heading to the semifinals with a chance to defend their crown or if they're just heading into their final game of Summer League. They got to win. If they win Thursday night, they'll have a chance. Um, it's, you got to get, they got to get to three and one. 
and they got it then it's point differential uh and so there's gonna be a lot that happens between now and the time you hear this to kind of decide or now and friday show to decide what happens but um we will talk all about it that's what we do five days a week monday through friday come listen to the show tell your friends about it i appreciate you listening i'll talk to you soon